0: This episode is brought to you by Interactive Brokers, where you can access a vast selection of global fixed income securities in the Interactive Brokers bond marketplace. Search their deep availability of over 1 million bonds globally. IBKR has no markup or built-in spreads and low, fully transparent commissions on bonds. IBKR displays the highest bids and lowest offers received from the electronic venues they access. In addition, clients can interact with each other by placing bids and offers online in order to execute their trades. Pretty cool. Learn more at IBKR slash bonds. The Disciplined Investor is all about you, your money, and the markets. Sit back and get ready for
1: this edition of The Disciplined Investor Podcast. This episode of The Disciplined Investor is sponsored by Horowitz & Company. If you're looking for a portfolio manager, look no further. Horowitz & Company, from seed through harvest, cultivating financial success.
0: June is coming to a close, and what an interesting month it's been. Crypto coming under pressure. SEC is making some moves. Inflation kicking up again around the world wondering about U.S. numbers. And our guest this week is Frank Curzio from Curzio Research. All this and much more on episode number 822 of the Disciplined Investor Podcast. Hey there, it's Andrew Horowitz, and I gotta just—I just gotta ask you, what is with this weather? I mean, we're not just talking about the weather because we have nothing else to talk about. No, there's lots to talk about, but man, this weather has been kind of ugly. It's kind of early for tropical storms, I think, and these hurricane formations. It's probably because I had plans to play golf. <laughs> I haven't played golf in the longest time. Like, I'm going back. I'm gonna play. And the rain god said, no, you're not. I had some other activities planned for some boating. They're like, no, 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 you're not doing that either. But it's kind of interesting what's happening right now. The idea of the Atlantic is much warmer, far warmer than it has been in many, many years. And this El Nino pattern that's developing early on, and that's why we're getting some of the things. And There's a prediction now that there's going to be a substantial number of storms this particular year. Who knows if that holds because trying to predict... The weather is trying to predict the markets and both of those things is a fruitless exercise. They both are fruitless exercise. Now, with that, if you've been listening to DH Unplugged last week, I talked about seasonality and that comes right into this weather discussion that we're having right now and that's why I brought it up because we talked about seasonality. And if you remember, we talk about different types of investing styles and techniques, analysis. Last week, we talked about Quantitative investing. We talked about the idea that there are different ways in which you can look at stocks, different patterns in terms of charts, technical analysis, algorithmic trading. All that was talked about during last week in our episode. And I really focused in on that type of analysis. Well, seasonality is another type of pattern recognition that some investors use on a regular basis in order to get insights into what should be. And it could be as simple as Fridays in the month of June are really good. I'm just making this up. Fridays in the month of June are really good times to invest. And that is a time that we will be fully long. And then they'll be out on Monday again, as an example. That's a small seasonal discussion. There are other seasonality issues like, you know, you've heard, sell in May and go away. You've heard about the January effect, the Santa Claus rally. These are types of seasonal trends that are picked up by investors. Usually once the trend is identified and is fully mainstream, it no longer holds. However, one of the things I mentioned was this idea that the seasonal pattern right now is about weather, one of them. And each and every June, I put it on the calendar. I say, you know, This is the time that hurricane season, bad weather, storms, all sorts of things kick up. And one of the things that people do is they realize, oh my, am I prepared? And if I'm not prepared, what do I need to do? Do I need to get the water? Do I need to get the flashlights? Do I need to get the batteries? And what about a generator for the house? I've been putting it off for a long time. Now, we know that during the COVID time period, a lot of people decided, you know what, we're going to put a lot of money. Into the house, and we're gonna upgrade it and we're gonna do things that we haven't done before. And one of the things we're gonna do is get a generator. So a lot of generators were sold during that time period. But as we are in the seasonal pattern right now, once we start hearing about tropical storm formations into hurricanes, etc., the the very thought of picking up a company that sells generators as pretty much a pure play in the space has been the one that we've seen that's worked time and time again. This is a company called Generac, symbol G-N-R-C. Full disclosure, I hold it personally. Horowitz and Clients hold it. Bought it earlier this month. I mentioned it on last week's DH Unplugged. Again, not thinking, I think it was last week, not thinking that we would enter into even a thought of a hurricane season this early into the season, but that's what's happening. And you'll notice that the stock moved on the idea last week, earlier in this week, uh, when the idea that the hurricane, the tropical storm was named, it was named Brett, and how that had progressed, the stock moved right off the bat once that happened when it opened back up on Tuesday. So something to be interested in learning about, more about the idea of seasonality, seasonal trends. And these could be some very, very big trends, like the presidential cycle. First two years, last two years, The four years of Democrat, the four years of Republican, second term, first term. There's a variety of different seasonal factors that are not just related to the weather that you can actually impart into your investment process. Something to consider, something to look at. I thought you would be – you find that really interesting uh, and and something that maybe you would want to look into further, of course, because this is all about education. So – Many investors use these seasonal trends, part of their investment process, and uh, you could you could probably just do a search, uh, whether it's on Google or the old-fashioned search, or even on a chat GBT and, and and ask about things like seasonality or, you know, what are seasonal stock trends or something of that nature, and you can probably pull up some things to learn more about it. I want to get to our guest this week because we are talking to the one and only Frank Curzio, who has been a a guest of mine, and I've been a guest of his for many, many years. We have had some of the longest-running podcasts known. And uh, when you look at Wall Street Unplugged, which Frank Curzio is the host of, and all the other things that he writes about, some really interesting things that you'll find there, and a bit of a different style than I have. So let's get right to it, and let's talk to our good friend Frank Curzio, who has all the way traveled in from near and far Curzio Research headquarters, and here he is, Frank Curzio. How are you? (laughs) Good. How's it going, man? It's going really well. It's been a while since we talked and, well, Mm -hmm. talked on the podcast. We talk all the time. Um, And um, what's going on? Family good? Life good? Everyone's good. Family's good. Running around. Family, uh, you know,
1: we closed on our house a few months ago. Mm -hmm. A little trouble with the home builders on our new build. uh, First house that we've ever built,
0: uh, which is exciting. First house, last house.
1: Yeah. Hopefully it's the last <laughs> Oh my God. Oh man. I'm telling you guys, if you ever do it and hopefully, you know, again, you know, I worked my ass off to get to that point. So I'm not apologizing for anything, but uh, I can tell you that process is one of the most stressful processes you ever go yeah. through.
0: Holy cow. I mean, I built a house. I've redone two houses and I got to tell you something's like, nah, the, the building, the house, the, the redoing, the house is a little bit easier. I think, you know, cause cause you got walls at least and you got things, but the first house I built, I was like looking with the architects and with the electrical contractors and I'm like, well, Look at this, you know, you're looking at a two-dimensional drawing. I'm like, you know what, we need a light switch here, we need a light switch here, we need a light switch here. Many years later, my my, my wife says to me, why do we have four light switches, like four inches away from each other? I'm like, I don't know, it looked like they were far apart on the paper, you know, <laughs> the
1: house. <laughs> I what love did. that, though, the first house we built, second house, the other two, it's nice being part of that 1%. Well, I'm That's ancient, I'm ancient,
0: you. I'm old, I'm old guy, you know what I'm saying, Frank? I'm a lot older than you are. Uh, no, nah, not that much. How I'm old are you 50 now? now? 51. Oh, yeah. And you still got little rugrats. Yes, my yeah. youngest is 28, and I'm only 58. Yeah.
1: Wow, yeah, we started late, my wife and I. Yeah, yeah, 15, 15 and twelve. Holy cow! Well, I can't blame two, you. Two I gross. can't blame your wife
0: for that. No, <laughs> <laughs> she wanted them a lot sooner. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the market. Where do we start? Um, how about the markets? The the you know, listen. Over the last several weeks, and I would say several months, a lot of confidence has been building up, which is is. In a way for a lot of people, hard to understand where that has come from, right this new this new uh level of confidence just out of nowhere it seems, right? And in the face of what we know is higher prices and all the other you know roadblocks and, and headwinds, what is going on in your opinion in terms of market action and what is actually going on? You know, it's one of the most confusing markets.
1: Uh, first it was driven by 10 stocks. Now it's filtering over. If you notice over the past month, Holy sure. cow. uh, you've seen the most heavily shorted names getting nailed now, right? I mean, they're, they're forcing short squeezes on these things and you've seen a lot of those names, things, the big lots. And, um, you know, uh, just, it's like, if you look at a list of top 15 since May, you would see, I would think the lowest gain is probably 30%. That's how much they're up. I mean, it's just incredible, uh, the money shifting around and, and you can't ignore it, right? You can't be stubborn about it. And, 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 you know, for me, I was bearish on the markets because historically when you're looking at it, when you see earnings coming down, GDP coming down, interest rates being risen by the highest amount in the fed era, when it comes to how quick and sitting at 30 year highs, you shouldn't have a higher stock market than you had in the past. Right. And and what I think you couldn't anticipate is earnings are down, right? Earnings usually drive stock prices and that's okay. You know, you could price that a year, two years, three years, eventually that growth is coming. Earnings even for technology companies are down 5% year over year. They're going to be down next quarter as well, year over year. Uh, and yet the multiples of these companies are going higher, which is was very difficult to anticipate, right? They're supposed to be going lower because, hey, all right, you're 18 times forward earnings uh, over the past 10 years. That's the average. Okay, that was at 0% interest rates, and you had a Fed that was just crazy and steroids, 0%, you know, just pellets metal, buying bonds, you know, QE all the time. But for basically a decades, it's a credit crisis. And now you look at the markets and you're saying, okay, a lot of that, the Fed's no longer there to backstop you. you and, and that's a scary thought. And if they're not there to, to have those low interest rates, it's not the, the you know, just buy the dip mentality, right? So when you look at it, you have to kind of protect yourself. And, and I think a lot of people and a lot of fund managers are caught off guard and playing catch up here. But the valuations where we're trading with the risk and interest rates staying high and they're going to stay higher a lot longer than expected, um, you have to protect yourself. I mean, you can't ignore the trends, right? You're a technical guy, and there's a lot of technical. It looks very, very favorable right wow. now. It should go up over the next month or two. But, you know, overall, if you're looking over the next six to twelve months, it's difficult to see where's the growth going to come from. I mean, China is terrible. They had data coming out that was worse than a year ago, and China was closed a year ago. I mean,
0: it, it's, you know, China was supposed to be the that's big true. rebound story, right? <laughs> that's and, a good and, point, it, right. The store was the stores closed a lot of, uh, last year, and the sales are still lower than that point.
1: Let, yeah, I mean, that's how terrible it is. And then you're seeing, I mean, look at Europe, right? Inflation everywhere. You're looking at barely in Italy, Spain, Germany is in recession.
0: I mean, barely growing GDP. Uh, and the DAX is at an all-time high. But let's just break this down for a second. Let yeah. me just back up for a second, Frank, because I know we can go on. Uh, at length with this, and I want to, but I want to kind of break some of the points down so that the audience understands something. Mm -hmm. You mentioned at first that the the difficulty in predicting the ability for stocks to go higher based on expansion, uh, multiple, expanding multiples. And you said that because who would have thought, I'm paraphrasing, that in an increasing interest rate environment, in fact, in an increasing interest rate environment, more than we've ever seen in the past in terms of trajectory. And slower earnings growth, which and, is very and, important. And slower earnings growth, right, that you would see multiples expand. So, so I guess I have to ask you, why, why, I mean, we don't have an answer to this, but why do you think multiples are expanding? Is it this whole notion that everybody is so caught up in the Fed that maybe now they're going to break the economy and we're going to go into the dropping rates, which they didn't even hint at or even talk about nearly at all? Right. They even talked about the last Fed meeting was it looks like there's two more hikes coming.
1: If nothing you changes. tell me what what a hawkish pause is, I'm still trying. I didn't see that in a dictionary. A hawkish pause. Yeah. No, what does I, that I, mean? I, I, I mean, think about that for a second. Right. I mean, if you're going to raise rates, do them now. The market's giving you the green light to do them now. Right. I mean, you, you, we're like, well, we're going to raise later. So you're going to raise later. As the market comes down, inflation still relatively high because you have a strong you know, employment picture. Housing data recently came out, which was. Massively amazing! Holy cow, right? The home builders I at mean, all time highs. All time highs. I mean, where interest rates are, it's 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 you know, it's a market where if you look at, it's kind of consistent. I mean, you get caught off guard, but look at in nineteen ninety eight. There's so many people that came out and said, "This market's done." A dot com, it's done. It's done. It's done. And they were they were saying it was overvalued. And they were right. They were right. But they were really really wrong because in nineteen ninety nine, the market doubled. The Nasdaq doubled, and then it fell seventy five percent, well below. You know, the 2,500 it was trading, it fell below 1,000. So it can go a lot higher longer. But there is an interesting chart that I, I wish I saw, and I wouldn't probably been too bearish. And it's not even like you cherry picking. It. It's the last three times the Fed really went nuts in terms of their tightening policy. And when that went up, and you look at this chart, it's just really three data points. Uh, people would think that once the Fed stops and starts lowering, that that's great for the markets. The last two times they did that, the market absolutely crashed. And it was amazing when they paused. They paused it in, in 2000 and it was in June 2000, which is right, you know, the market crashed in March. And then it really, really came down over the next two to three years. But then they started lowering rates as they were lowering rates that whole time, the market really crashed. So, uh, and then we look at 2008 as well, where where they started pausing. And this was just before 2007, right when the, you know what, started hitting the fan. Mm-hmm. This is when you saw countrywide go under and everything in early 2007, I was really paying attention. And even when it came to March, and this is the type of market I think we're in, in March 2008, Bear Stearns got bailed out, right? They were bought for $2. And everyone saw that as a bottom. In the next two months, the market went up 12% before falling like 50% over the next six months. I think it's what we can't see we have to worry about here. And the banking crisis is one of the things that we couldn't see, the recent banking crisis. Uh, we're looking at commercial real estate, but we see that, right? And I think these companies are really positioning themselves. And you're looking at the Walmarts and you're looking at Macy's and all these companies come out and say, wow, the consumer's a lot worse than I thought it was. And, and as long as they could see that ahead of them, they could adjust their costs, They could you know, lay off employees. Uh, but there's something that's going to break in the system. You can't raise rates by the fastest pace in the Fed era by 1,900 percent and nothing else is going to happen from this. Well, let me, I, let I let think me, it's let something me. we're not going to see.
0: Is it possible? This just came to me just now as you said it. Let's use Walmart as a great example. Is it possible that today versus 2007, versus 1998, 1999, that due to the technology advancement, that companies have such a better view of what is happening and the ability to adjust dynamically to what's going on? Like, for example, we saw let's say six months ago, the start of the technology wave of firings, right? We saw Mm -hmm. employment and head reduction, and that, if you think about it on its own, is filtering down into, well, earnings aren't as bad as we expected. Well, of course they're not, because you fired all these people, you know? And you use one-time special exemptions for any of the payouts. So is it possible that the Walmarts of the world or... Name your company have a much better view of what's happening, can adjust dynamically, and that's why maybe people are willing to give them a little bit of a, a of a better uh, thought than and say and and, and then it also let me add one more point that over a period of time markets have never gone down is the mentality, and the Fed will bail us out is a mentality, and you add this all together that you know what let's just keep putting our money in because we're not taking our money out next week we're taking it out in ten years from now and who cares.
1: Yeah, it is an interesting point. I think we have to take it by a company by company basis. I mean, when I look at McDonald's and I look at at Walmart, right, and I put them in the same category, they're the cheapest among their industries and they have pricing power, right? So it's easy for you to raise prices, even if McDonald's could raise prices on 20%, and man, it is cheap as hell to go there compared to everybody else, every place else. Not that you're going to take your family McDonald's and we know it's not the best food, but uh, Walmart as well. When you have the cheapest prices, you could raise and you could be okay, where some other retailers, you know, might not be able to do that. But when I look at, at a market and you're saying, you know, could they adjust? They could adjust. That's fine. But still, it doesn't make sense for their multiples to go higher. Cause as they so look at, if you're looking at, at the big technology companies, right? If you're looking at Amazon uh, or even Meta, right? Meta, Meta's cutting costs and laying off employees. They're third a lot brand. of employees, like a, a lot, company. a lot. Right. You look at Microsoft, right? Cloud is slowing. They're seeing slower growth in cloud. That's their bread and butter, highest margin business. You're looking at Apple iPhones clearly slowing down. They've never given away iPhones for free. Their newest iPhones are 14. So you can go to almost any carry and get buy one. And you get one for free or a thousand dollar credit to the one you're trading in. Uh, also services did not meet estimates, which is, again, that's their high margin. business. So you're looking at technology companies that are going higher and higher. And I'm not including Nvidia because Nvidia had the best quarter that I've ever seen in my life, I think. Uh, and I, I, a stock running up over 100% into that quarter and already trading at like, you know, 60 times earnings. I thought you were just going to see a beat and a sell off, but man, did they beat? That's different. But when I look at the major technology companies, it's not like you're seeing this massive growth. They're actually trying to cut costs because they see business slowing. They're so big and then cut billions. But it's a case-by-case basis. I don't know if we're going to see the whole market come down because the market cap for these companies, I mean, trillions. I mean, we're going to hit $3 trillion on Apple. Holy cow. I mean, people don't realize. I think Apple's market cap is bigger than the entire Russell 2000 right yep, now.
0: it is. But here's the thing. When you look at that and you see that there is this major move for NVIDIA, Nvidia due to their AI chip, right? So they they've been pretty good at very – uh, carefully and accurately establishing and predicting future trends. They did it with their chips and their their GPUs that they retrofitted and made them such that they powered the machine in order to mine Bitcoin, right? That was big.
1: That was big. Yeah, for about a good six to nine-month period. That I mean, was big. Uh, Taiwan Semi, huge, huge, yep. huge part of the business. So yeah.
0: NVIDIA came out and they have the – now, do you wonder if NVIDIA's benefit – Selling all these things are due to the panic on the street, due to earnings issues and need to innovate that they haven't done in how many years, right? That that's was powering Nvidia, and it was just as, you know, when when Chat GPT came, remember Chat GPT comes out, and then all of a sudden everybody miraculously is AI, like within weeks, like how where do where's that? And 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 then everybody miraculously decides, you know what, we're hopping on the AI bandwagon. Because AI is this and that and this and that, and we're going to go into it, and NVIDIA benefits. I see it as a little bit of a panic move, not that it's, this does not have to be bad, but I'm just saying factually. I think it was a panic move that everybody's like, I don't know what this hell AI is, but I got to do it.
1: I mean, look, NVIDIA is an amazing company because when I look at that space, it's usually a commoditized business, right? It's like, you know, you get cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, these chips, right? Mm -hmm. And and they fight for margins. And then you you had an auto industry come along, you had internet things, you know, everything connected, you know, and and now you're you're looking at, at AI, right? And even data analytics, right? And you have speeds with 5G, all this came together. You have unlimited cloud, unlimited storage, all this came together. Of course, it was driven by 5G and faster speeds. So now we have everything coming together What this company does is they're able to sell, you know, their technology is so great. Their margins are 70%. Right. I mean, that, that's insane for this type of business, which mm-hmm. means one, it, you're looking at a company 40 times sales. And by the way, don't listen to me Nvidia Cause I've been so wrong on the stock. I just thought it was, it was high. <laughs> I was like, wow, this thing's at 270. I'm like, there's no way that they're going to report. It went into 300 going to the quarter and went up hundred. I was like, holy cow. And they deserve it. It was amazing. However, at 70, if you look at 70% margins, I mean, that opens a door like AMD's coming out with their chips. Uh, you have Apple building their own chips. You have Microsoft building your own chips. Those are margins where you're like, holy cow, it's worth us who has hundred billions of dollars, right? In cash on the balance sheet with these companies that could put money into this yeah. and actually build their own chips. But again, you could have said that been a video a while ago and they did get hit last year, but wow. I mean, 70, 60, 60 times forward earnings trading at 40 times sales. I mean, it's astronomical where they better capture most of this industry, but it's clear that NVIDIA, NVIDIA overnight pretty much became the only pure play, I think you could say on AI. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's an AI company, right? I mean, this is where all the growth is coming in. It's almost like Microsoft. Yeah. They had other divisions, but it's a cloud company. That's what it's driven driving the growth. Uh, And you can't really say that for anyone else. So the, the but the
0: buzz, the buzz, the buzz, the buzz of uh, AI and anybody that has AI in their name or AI, AI process. As a matter of fact, is what we call tech washing, right? Where during earnings calls, you start hearing these words come out, that these buzzwords, and AI was everywhere in everything. As a matter of fact, Campbell's Soup came out with an AI commentary.
1: This is common. We've been around this a while, right? It's it's even even when cobalt was was hot. I mean, it's a byproduct of everything. When, when uranium is hot, everyone's a uranium company. Mining's like uranium companies now. It's just... And they go into gold and silver, and same thing. Dot com adding to your name and stuff. So, so you see it, but you know the AI. AI is, you know, artificial intelligence. It any startup that says they're using AI, uh, you could basically you know short the hell out of you, make a lot of money. AI is based on training the data that you have to make predictable outcomes. The only way that works is if you have a mass amount of data, and who has the mass amount of data is the biggest technology companies. That's why they can afford to spend billions and billions on this. Uh, for other companies, I don't think you're going to sh- see it show up as quickly, uh, but these guys are going to dominate it, completely dominate it, and it's going to be change the world technology. I mean, it, it's this is the one time I think I could say if there's one company that I think AI could completely take over that's threatened right now, it's Google. I mean, do you really need search? A- and they've been such a dominant player in search, what, and yes, we all know these How fascinating
0: stole. is that? Oh, my God. How fascinating is this that that you wonder why Google keeps on going up in the face of what looks like the destruction of their business?
1: I mean, they're going all in on AI and they have to, but, you know, AI is good. It's not going to, you know, Amazon, it's an add-on. You look at Microsoft, it makes sense. You, you look at all these companies, Netflix and everything else, it makes sense, meta. But when you look at Google, this to me, that seems like a big threat to that business. I yeah. mean, you, you know, this is something that they could type in. I mean, think about, I, I worked at street.com, right? I had like a newsroom and I can't tell you how many people they paid like $50,000 or 60000 to write generic stories, all right? the, the Housing data's out and based on this, and they'll get a quote from someone or whatever, and they'll throw it in there. It'll be a mini story. You don't need that whole department anymore with mm-hmm. AI, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's it's going to get smarter and better. And what these guys did, by the way, ChatGPT, uh, brilliant, genius. Okay, they released it to the world, not because they're nice people. They said, how do you scale a crap out of a business? Okay, we we'll want to release it to everyone for free. Everyone's going to type in exactly what they want, what they want to hear, and that makes the system learn about a million times faster than it would in-house, so they gave it away and said, "Here it is, everybody!" And now everyone's on it, going, "Oh, I use ChatGPT." It's learning off of you. It's predicting. It's actually going to predict everything, right? It's putting this all together in the fastest possible way you could think, speed of light, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's a remarkable what they did, and you know the software programs coming up, coming, you know, off of this. But this is going to impact a lot of businesses, the big businesses, the ones with the most data. Uh, and the biggest software companies—they're going to benefit the most. But filtering down and saying if you have any individual AI plays, there's not. Even the private companies really get taken over in a private market, and you know you're not going to see too many really come out. Uh, C3AI, I think, it came out, and mm-hmm. you know that's running higher after reporting earnings at the NBA, that didn't meet estimates. It fell 20 percent, and it came right back.
0: But came right back and went like, way over the top to to you know 50 percent higher.
1: Yeah, surge. Yeah. And, and, and it's remarkable, but. Yeah, it's like a software. It's different than software compared to you're building the chips. And when you're building the chips, you're first in line, right? So you're getting paid for that right away. and You're building these systems for them. When you're software, it's kind of like you need a lot of clients to say, "Okay, let me see if this software." It's later in the stage, right? So you have to be careful. Early in the stages, Nvidia they're going to continue to benefit. That's the pure play. And if you, you know, I don't, I would tell you that it was overvalued. I want to tell you it's overvalued after the quarter, but right now, holy cow! I mean, you know, yeah. well over four hundred trillion dollar market cap. This thing is is trading that they're going to capture 90% of the market and keep it for the next 10 years. Yep. Yep.
0: All right, I want to talk about global inflation. I want to talk about the the Fed and get a little bit of a insight from you. I want to talk about the banking crisis, crypto, but we're going to take a quick break and we're going to talk all about that. Now let me take a moment and talk to you. I mean, if you're a financial advisor, you got to be thinking is there a better way? What what I mean, maybe you're thinking about switching custodians, maybe maybe you're going independent. Maybe you just want to really up your game. Well, Interactive Brokers provides the lowest cost trading and turnkey custody solutions to all size firms. Trade globally from a single unified platform. I know this for a fact. It's a wonderful platform, and you can do so with no ticket charges, no custody fees, no minimums, and no tech platformer reporting fees. Plus, IBKR has no advisory team or prop trading group to compete with you and your clients, and you know that's important, and I can tell you firsthand, I've seen that before historically with other places, and you know what? That becomes a problem. You gain IBKR's free CRM, portfolio management, and trading platforms, plus portfolio analyst, which is a tool essentially to consolidate your client's entire portfolio, make it very easy to see what's going on, and you also get automated and flexible client billing. Switch to the custody solutions that work for you at ibkr.com slash R-I-A. Interactive Brokers is a member of S-I-P-C. All right, we're, back. we're back with Frank Curzio from Curzio Research, where you can go and uh, find out everything that he has. His great newsletters, all the things that are available. He always has you know, free trials and things like that and discounts. And just go over there and check it out at curzioresearch.com. All right, we left off with me hanging everybody out with this. Talk about global inflation. So the UK is picking up again. Mm-hmm. The inflation in the world is being compared to high watermark numbers from a year ago. And we're still seeing higher prices and problems. We're seeing the Eurozone enter recession. We're seeing that the ECB says, the hell with that, we're still increasing rates. We see that in Canada, there was a surprise rate increase. We're taking this, as you called it, a hawkish pause. A hawkish pause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to see... Do you think the resurgence of or at least maybe not the resurgence, but at least a moving higher or stalling at this point from inflation? And I'll give you a few things to chew on. One, the wealth of wealth effect could be a real problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, consumer confidence is is down, but it could be rising. We see housing numbers better. Housing price is not really dropping in a lot of areas as much as people thought. So is this going to be a big concern in terms of the pricing function that goes into the inflationary calculations forward from here.
1: So the inflation, and I don't want to, you know, I'm going to get to weeds a little bit here because the inflation index, especially, you know, the CPI is what the Fed looks at. It, it was carefully manipulated over the past 30 years to show no inflation. Okay. It was and they just did changed three by, months
0: ago. It was just changed three months ago. Oh,
1: it, it's going to continue to change. They're going to continue to change it. Right. Because, because what they did is they made real estate a major, major factor. I think it's like 40%, right. And rents are, are a big portion of that. Uh, the reason why they did that is because rents very rarely move up more than two percent, and even when housing prices surged during the credit crisis, uh, just before the credit crisis, uh, two thousand five, six, seven, uh, you didn't see the massive rise in rents, right? So they said, if we keep this here, what does it do? It keeps inflation low, even though we know, even for the past 10 years, inflation has been low, but yet all of our bills have incredibly more expensive, right? Even the past 10 years before we've seen this, uh, you know, post COVID. Mm-hmm. So we all knew there was inflation, but it never showed up in the numbers because this is what they did. And I went back and actually looked at all the changes that they made. It was it was incredible. I think it was 27 different changes over 30 years or something. So now it, it, you have rentals that are not really going to go down, um, which is a big component of that. They're saying inflation is going down. And if you look at the core, right, even the core, or whatever, where, where are we at? Like, right, like, as of the latest range, it's still over 4%. Yeah, right? four, so, four, core, four, a little over 4. And core is a little bit higher than that. It's 4.5%. 4, 4, 4. To put that in perspective, that's fantastic compared to 9% last year. But you have to go back to 1991. The last time we saw annual inflation, annual inflation above 4%, was 1991. And we take out last year, which went to 9%. That's Mm -hmm. how high we are in inflation. We're cheering because it's going lower and everyone's like, all right, that's great. It's not going lower fast enough. The Fed has to get to its 2% target. That's its main goal. You know why? Because that's when the Fed has control. They have control when they have low inflation. They can do a lot of things to stimulate the market, right? So they don't care if there's a recession. They don't care if there's a little bit of a crash. They have to get inflation under control because when they don't, they lose a lot of power. So that's why- if you look at Powell, whether you like him or not, every single meeting, 2%, 2%. Somebody asked him last meeting, said, hey, if you get to 3%, would that be okay? He goes, no way. Nope, it's got to get to 2%. In order for us to get to 2%, they're going to have to raise rates further. Uh, I mean, you're looking at different bills, and you could point to health care, and it w- was lower, 20% lower this time compared to last year and different components. But if you really look across the board, energy's down a little bit. But anyone listening to this right now, are you really paying less? For your bills, if you took all your bills and piled them together, did you pay less this month than you did last month? I don't think so. So you're not really seeing it come down, especially on the consumer level. It means the Fed's going to have to continue to raise these
0: rates. Yeah, because and, and, can you imagine that 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 this is what's going on? And who is who's suffering right now? By the way, it's the, yeah. the lowest earners. Oh, they're getting crushed. That's it's the getting... people
1: who don't own assets, right? I mean, mm-hmm. when you own assets, an inflationary zero percent interest rates, so and that's what I hate. Like this whole. Massive push where, where for the younger generation, oh, they want to take Ubers, they don't want to own houses, guys. That's that's horseshit. Please own assets. That's how people mm-hmm. become extremely yep. wealthy yep. by owning assets. Own stuff, please own stuff. I hate when people say, oh, well, it's a different generation. It's almost like they're talking them out of it. But the people well, well, own think assets about it, because oh. the
0: people that are talking them out of it are the ones that own the stuff. Yeah,
1: And <laughs> I mean, my home price right? in Florida. I live yeah. in Florida. It went up fifty thousand in the past month. Fifty yep. thousand at a peak. I mean, you just own assets, own assets. That's what you have to do. There's gonna be times when they come down and go up, but almost when you have zero percent interest rates, almost every single asset went higher in a ten year period. Outside mm-hmm. of maybe gold, you could say collectibles, you could say home prices went to record highs. You, know, you look at stock market went to record highs. You know all these asset classes with zero percent interest rates and the Fed constantly pumping. Uh, you know, with money into the system, that's what happens, right? And, and you're by the right, way, you don't a big
0: disconnect. One of the bigger problem. The other problem is you you don't really see it as you go, but my goodness, it's gone up so much. Our dollar has depreciated demonstrably, although you don't see it because everything else is going down too. Mm-hmm. And that's why some of these values. I mean, think about it. We had, we had, hundreds of millions of stimulus. Then we had a couple of billions. Now we get trillions. Those zeros are adding up. That's just a, that's not just a small amount. Yeah, I never. More. S-
1: I I never thought I'd say this because everyone was like, well, a dollar could lose its reserve currency status. I don't think they are going to lose that for a while. But you're seeing a clear trend where the total dollar circulation globally, I think it was 74, 75 percent 10 years ago. Uh, Now it's down to 59, 58 percent. And you're seeing more countries. The BRICS are holding a conference in in August. The theme is how do we wean ourselves off the dollar? Because, you know, we went to the SWIFT when we shut off, you know, we, we shut off Russia from the SWIFT system. That was not on the table. Sanctions were on the table. That scared the crap out of every country because they're like, okay, well, what if the U.S. doesn't agree with with our climate change policies? They press a button and our economy is destroyed. And you're seeing this massive move. Again, I'm not calling for that to happen. But when you see the amount of money that's being spent, so much so – and again, I always said, don't worry about deficits. The only thing that matters is if you can't pay them. You're seeing net loan reserves, let loan loss reserves go higher for the banks. You're seeing credit card rates through the roof. More people are are, are having trouble paying 25% record high. But if you're looking at the, just the interest, Andrew, on our debt, the interest is over a trillion dollars, which is, I mean, we spent 700 billion on on defense spending. And I think it's like 1.1, 1.2 in social security. Our interest, just our interest is a trillion dollars right now. So the answer to this is just to keep on buying stocks. Just it's, buy stocks. It seems that uh, way. Don't go into bonds. Oh, four and a half percent interest rate is garbage. Get to no, but-, but
0: seriously, this is the answer that everybody seems to have. With record deficits, record debt, uh, interest rates to the roof, inflation a big problem, people not owning things. What's the answer? We just keep on buying risk assets. Uh, you know what?
1: It's not by you you've seen risk assets be bought. One of the areas I do like, and I don't know if you want to get to this now, is small caps.
0: And, and you might oh, see they're them. they're off a lot.
1: I mean, you're looking at the NASDAQ. I think it's closed up 30% this year, uh, year to date. Russell is up 7%. I don't think I've ever seen that big of a discrepancy ever. And I, I was saying it for the past month and a half, two months, a little bit early. But the names in the Russell, I'm not saying about the Russell 2000 as a whole, but some of those names, especially in biotech, are down, still down 80%, trading their cash. I mean, these are good. I'm not even talking about companies with one drug and you know going to phase two and needs to pay. I'm talking about... Like they have drugs on the market, they're making revenue. They got a great pipeline, a lot of cash on the balance sheet. And the names that I'm seeing in small cap world and how far down they were, even the cruise lines we were able to pick up. You know, that's going to, if you really believe that there's more money going to the economy, cruises are so much. I think there's a 35% discount taking your family on a cruise and taking it to Disney World. I mean, hotel prices are through the roof. So to me, cruises
0: made sense. We picked up Norwegian, doing
1: very, very well on that for a while. The only, the
0: only problem with the cru- cruise lines is the outsized debt they hold now because they got bailed out and they have so much money they and owe from COVID. Exactly. That's the only
1: thing. And that's why we like Norwegian because they don't have to restructure their debt at mm-hmm. all. They did that already. Carnival Great COVID. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Carnival is like, you know, I don't want to say low end, but Norwegian is more of a, a high end customer. Uh, but that was a big factor. And, and of course, in, in this type of market, you're going to see Carnival probably go up a little bit more than, than Norwegian. But Norwegian was a better play because they restructured their debt already. They the debt payments for three, four years. Significant. So that was one of the reasons why we recommended Let, it and look at a balance sheet. Let's take
0: two minutes and talk about the banking crisis that was and is no longer. It seems like a blip. Who knew what would have happened? I didn't even see anything. I don't remember. It's over. As a matter of fact, as soon as that was over, the horses left the gate on the stock market and things just started flying higher. I'm wondering. Was it a bailout? And if it was somehow an indirect, weird, strange, backhanded, now you see me, now you don't bailout, was a lot of the money possibly repurposed into markets?
1: Uh, you know, the bank, it's kind of funny because if you look, and I'm very familiar with this world, especially with the California banks and in crypto, right? I mean, they basically shut down two crypto banks that had no fraud that actually went through the process that that had to sell their, their treasuries early and, and you know you're looking at, at silver gate um and signature but then w- when you have silicon valley uh the amount of venture capital funds in there remember fdic only covers like two hundred fifty thousand. a lot of hedge funds were in there a lot of startups were in there they had millions and millions and millions so they weren't supposed to cover that and they bailed them out and a lot of politicians as well i mean it was going to get bailed out uh I think it's funny because originally it was a bailout and then they said, no, 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 it's not a bailout. It's taken take it out of FDIC. Look, I mean, you could say like technically it's not a bailout. I mean, if someone smacks you a hundred times, you could technically say, well, he didn't really beat the shit out of me, but he really, you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but here's the deal. The government's saying it's not going to cost the taxpayers anything, okay, which is BS, okay, because the FDIC guaranteed all the deposits. But the FDIC is funded by the big banks and now they have to replenish it. And also, they're going to have much tougher regulations going forward. So, how do you think the banks are going to do that? They're going to raise prices on their course, customers, which is also that's a tax. Regardless of how you want to wiggle through it or say they'll be politically correct, it's a bailout. They shouldn't have bailed them out. They should. The FDIC shouldn't. Have, the FDIC is responsible for covering two hundred fifty thousand dollars per account, and they they bailed them out. They covered everything, which then brings the up more
0: moral moral hazard for not only the banks but also the individuals who saw this and says, "Let me get this straight." It doesn't matter what the rules are. I keep getting bailed out no matter what happens. Why not? Just who cares? Throw my money in.
1: And people are saying, "Well, that's it. It was a blip on the radar." You know, I could tell you if, you know, you're looking at at the Bear Stearns thing, right? Remember, you mm-hmm. know, I mentioned that earlier, mm-hmm. where that was in March, and everyone's like, "All right, we're settled. We're fine." Even if the Lehman, right? They 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 let Lehman fall. You know, another market bump. I mean, that was more quicker. But with Bear Stearns, another two months to say, "Wait a minute," you know, do we really need that? Like, you know over a thousand banks and and why would you keep your money at these mid tier banks anyway, when the biggest banks are just going to get bigger, the balance sheets have never been stronger. Uh, you know, they're going to be given free assets just like JP Morgan was in times like these. Uh, I don't know what the, the benefit is, right? They're not paying you higher rates. I don't know what the benefit is. I don't, I don't where- understand it either.
0: I never understood it. The only thing is sometimes when they talk about how, and I had a president of a community bank on recently on the podcast, we talked about how, Community banks can solve some problems for local businesses and smaller operations better than that. But for the consumer, the average consumer, th- that that just banks for checking payments, little savings here and there, makes no sense. This makes no yeah. sense to be the smaller ones. But the other thing, Frank, is that the the nice other bailout that you didn't discuss. One thing you talked about was a two hundred fifty over over two hundred fifty thousand dollar bailout by the FDIC. Mm-hmm. You didn't talk about taking bonds off the hands of the Mm -hmm. banks that were trading subpar by 20% and giving them all their money and swapping it so the Fed holds it till maturity. Yeah. That was cute. And you know what's so funny, too? You know when
1: this started? Mm. This started when they let Silvergate fail. Because Silvergate failed and, and they and they and they cut off Silver in February. They came out with a crypto initiative, right? And they're the biggest crypto bank, right? The signature has 30% of their assets. But they still closed them. By the way, Bonnie Frank sits on the board of signature. He created like amazing, almost, you know, right? Yeah, Frank, yeah, amazing. Frank God, all that stuff, right? He didn't even know what was going on. So this is what Silvergate had to do. So Silvergate, they 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 were forced to liquidate because they said that if anyone and, and you know they're getting sued for this, by the way. The government's getting sued by by a rep- huge, huge law firm in D.C. who actually sued him. Uh, it was an Operation Choke Point. This is like during Obama when he tried to shut down gambling and, and all kinds of industries. Uh, and they wound up winning, right? So, mm-hmm. when you're looking at, at Silvergate, Silvergate was forced to cover its assets because people were moving their money, and they had short-term bonds. So, people saw this and said, "Wow, look at the losses they're taking. They're being forced to sell this." And then I think it was like something like eight billion dollars, and they covered it. They said, we're good. We covered it. That's how much money they had, right? They, mm-hmm. So they had it in like safe assets. They were supposed. To, but again, when you're seeing rates go up, prices go down, they, they were forced to sell. When people saw that and said, wow, look at this company. Let's see who else we can go after. Who's who's? And it's very easy. I have capital IQ. I pay a fortune for it. You have Bloomberg. You pay a fortune for it. It's very easy to find which banks are least insured. I mean, over 100%. And you look at three or four of them, and those are three or four of them that really cracked and, and went under. And, and what they do, all you have to do is with social media, spread a rumor mm-hmm. and saying, hey, mm-hmm. these guys are having trouble. You might want to remove your assets from the bank. And, and that just got a little bit of leverage throughout the system. And boom, Silicon Valley, people were like leaving in droves. So yeah, there's probably. That all started because it's, because they went up the crypto and they went up to Silvergate
0: and, and, and shut them down. Now, this is a good segue into, into the crypto world because I know you've been very involved and and, and done, have done a lot of research into crypto and, and other components of blockchain related slash offerings, et cetera. So I know you covered this for a long time. You've had shows on it, you know, not only on your Wall Street Unplugged, but you've done other smaller vignettes of it, right? Over time. Mm -hmm. Yep. So let's talk about how this industry has gone from the industry of, oh, we want a better banking system. We want transparency. We want all the wonderful things and financial freedom that this can afford us. And Diversity, inclusion, and equal mm-hmm. representation to bad actors all over the goddamn place that really would just screwing with everybody, stealing their money. Would you please take it from there? I think when it comes to
1: crypto, it's creating uh, a fantastic, fantastic opportunity—one of the best opportunities uh, for you to invest in. Uh, I've been doing this for thirty years. I never made more money personally than I did in crypto, and I never made it fast. Am I saying that you should go all in on crypto? Absolutely not. Am I saying that a lot of it's not BS? No, we were very clear in recommending stocks, saying 90% of the stuff I'm researching, and it probably got to about, about 1,500 different different tokens. 90% of them were garbage. You couldn't find anything out. But the innovations and the technology behind this is incredible. Now, you have bad actors, and it's great that you know a lot of this—think th- about what Bitcoin just survived in Ethereum. I mean— I don't think it gets worse for an industry. I mean, even the credit crisis was probably better than. That. I mean, you talk about FTX, you talk about some of the t-
0: the ben, top Benance, names, Binance going- That was the you know. Don't forget, FTX was the guy that was helping everybody out, but they were a scam. Yep. And Binance, the problem is they're not necessarily bad actors. They're stupid. They're dumb. I mean, they're literally yeah. dumb.
1: And they have to realize that all of these are securities. That's why for us, we I actually have created a security token uh, around our business, mm-hmm. and that's tokenization. It's the greatest freaking thing ever. I thought it would pick up a lot sooner. It's definitely going to pick up. Even Coinbase Gemini took out their licenses because they thought this is where it's going. Right? Because it, it's you know a lot of these things they're all securities outside of maybe Bitcoin, Ethereum for utilities. Maybe you know, you're getting five or ten of them. They, they're people buy these things and expect to make money. the exact definition of security. But this went on and on because the SEC was just like, didn't want to do anything. And now all of a sudden, the SEC is going all in and trying yeah, to, to create, which is crazy. And, and you're seeing a lot of business go elsewhere. But when I look at crypto right now and, and see a, a, a lot of the BS has been removed, you're looking at a very, very big deal here where, you know, and, and you know about it as well with BlackRock uh,
0: filing for, for Bitcoin ETF. No, wait a second. No, wait. Now, let's back this up. Just hold on a second. Let's discuss mm-hmm. this, this so everybody knows what's going on. Yes. For a long time there has been the desire to have a spot based in other words the, the actual live price of bitcoin trading in an ETF uh in the US it's in the US that's an important feature right there there are other things like the Greystone, which is 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 an, is an offbeat deal out of Canada I believe it is right Canada
1: and they they they've been cooperating with the SEC, doing everything that they possibly can to get this thing launched. A lot of companies within custody, they try to get custody licenses, and for three years, just waiting and waiting. The SEC, they're talking actively with the SEC. So was Coinbase, so was Binance, talking with them. How do we get regulated? How do we do this? And and they just out of nowhere, the SEC, as of February, said, you know what, we're done with crypto, and and, and everyone was like. Why didn't you tell us this three, four years ago? I mean, you didn't even do anything. So
0: it's more politically driven, I think. I would agree. But now what's happening is that people want this. Now, one of the reasons, in all fairness, that there's an ETF that's wanted so badly by somebody is because, to be honest with you, dealing with the crypto brokers is not the easiest thing in the world. And the thought of money being stolen, losing Uh it yourself because you lost your password and you'll never get it back. Pushing it to the wrong hash on a, a, a account number, if you will, uh, and, and and losing your money. I mean, every time I transfer money, I get my the hair on the back of my neck stands up. Yeah, I mean, with crypto,
1: it's gotten a lot better, right, over the past four years, right? I mean, it's still not Vegas as good as still. like a bank with Zelle. It's not. It's not as good. But one thing is, you know, you're looking at Bitcoin and you're looking at other means, right, of money, and, and it's like a religion. It's here, right? People believe in it. And, and, you know, there's a limited supply. So you look at Ethereum with smart contracts, which is absolutely amazing. And now that technology with Ordinals is pushing into Bitcoin. But uh, you want more adoption. Here it is. I mean, what, what, you had other people trying to file this ETF. This is BlackRock. Okay, BlackRock right. has 10 trillion in assets. They are... I mean, when you talk about the political influence that they have, I mean, they basically told every company that we're going to make sure that all these companies, you know, are aware of ESG. I mean, this is what Larry what Fink said. I mean, these guys have incredible power, incredible power, right? They're not going to do this. They know every politician, you know, again, this is the biggest of the biggest. So that's why it's a big deal. You look at Fidelity already, they 40 40 million clients, four and a half trillion dollars in the management they're providing. Right, crypto for IRAs and stuff. So, Bitcoin, Ethereum, I think there's like three or four of them that are trading. Uh, And when I see this and a lot of the garbage washed out, it it reminds me of like someone's followed trends all my life. Uh, You know, it's you have this stage is boom, bust, and the survivors are the ones that become the industry leaders. And that's where we are. And you're wondering why an ETF in this sector. And this is what amazes me crypto is a trillion dollar established industry, AI is like, a couple of hundred billion. If you're looking at EVs it is, is, you know, again, hardly any EVs are being sold. The number supposed to be so much higher millions and millions and millions, tens of millions by now. But we're looking at, if you look at some of the biggest trends and you look at it's a trillion dollar market that the rest of the world, even Hong Kong and China are like, Whoa, the U S is at us. Okay. Right here. Let's start supporting this stuff. So the U S is going to get back into this. You're seeing it even with some of the big guys. I mean, with BlackRock and fidelity, uh, and the names that I see and the technology that I see behind this is incredible with FinTech companies. I mean, this is, think about finance, Andrew. We've seen every industry in the world get disrupted except for banking and finance. Has it been disrupted? You can do online banking and stuff like that, but look at the rates that they're providing. They provide no rates, right? Even though interest rates have been risen incredibly for banks. You know, banks aren't providing that savings rate, but you know, the transfer of payments, why do I have to pay $30 every time I do a transfer for my business? See, it's Yeah, this is disruptive technology. Uh, It's a way to get into AI early where, you know, you're not owning equity, but these are utility tokens where you could use them for your business and use a token to establish it. Now you can have AI system. It gives you an opportunity to really buy into AI and some of these other things very early, which you cannot do in the market anymore, right? You got these SPACs coming out, IPOs coming out, 40 times sales, 50 times sales. Most of the growth is already factored in, right? So, It gives you an opportunity to really invest in early stage companies and man, for a speculative portion of your money, if that's 3% of your portfolio, put 1% into some of these things because the gains that you could see, you're not going to see in the markets. 20X, 30X, 40X, these are gains that I experienced in our newsletter. Yes, we got crushed just like a lot of things got crushed in 2022, but the upside is so much more than almost anything you could put your money in. And that's why- You don't think Gensler is going to really kind of squash this whole thing? I don't think he can. I think what, I think a Republican.
0: I think you think Gensler going to allow for this BlackRock ETF because if, if if by the way if the BlackRock ETF nobody thinks it's going through if the because we've had the Winklevoss and we've had a bunch of other people try to do this already
1: Winklevoss and BlackRock it's like it's I mean it's night and day. No, right? I you get that. I guys, get that. So what I'm saying BlackRock is BlackRock had listen BlackRock with the politicians the amount of money they did they're not going to do this unless they get like the thumbs up or an okay from somebody. They just would not waste their time doing this. I can't. If this it. gets I mean,
0: done, it's a big thumbs up for Bitcoin. Because oh, it is. the average person that would not necessarily invest in Bitcoin directly on an exchange, utilizing cold wallets and things, whatever the hell, you know, all the different things they got to do or they may want to do and understand, mm-hmm. easy peasy, bing, buy, done. I mean, 10 trillion assets, do
1: the math. I mean, you're looking at just like, you know, 1%, 2% of this, it moves a needle, right? And people right. are going to have access to this now. So. I just don't see a company like BlackRock and their clout, and, and again, they're involved. They do tons of politicians. They have the inside scoop on every single thing, and and the biggest investor in almost every single company. They, they wouldn't they wouldn't bother wasting their time with this unless they got a green light or they talk yeah. to the right people first. That's and I'm speculating on that, but that's yeah, just me. I'm
0: using common sense there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. So what else? What are the areas look of interest to you? We covered. A small cap you mentioned, some of the biotech, some things of that nature. I mean, energy has had its day, it looks like to me. You know, every every decade we got that resurgence of energy shares out of nowhere. And I think we've had that, and who knows where it's going right now. Maybe not. Um, but we have a lot of things happening, right? We got the Russian-Ukraine conflict, China-Taiwan. We got things that are going on in, um, you know, the slowdown in in, in in Europe, in China, Japan continuing to do what they do. Uh, concern about the dollar. What other areas, and maybe that is a bright spot in all of this, do you see as that's interesting to look at? I've been negative on this, but I would
1: say China's a bright spot. China is so horrible and terrible right now that they're going to announce trillions in stimulus. They have to. Uh, they could do it. They just lowered rates. Their inflation isn't as high as ours uh, or the rest of the world. They have to. They don't have a choice. And I think that's going to stimulate and provide growth for a lot of countries, including U.S. companies that have exposure there uh, and including energy. Right. I mean, this is the first time we've we've ever seen and maybe maybe be careful saying ever, but at least the last the last 20 years uh, where we had OPEC right in Saudi Arabia, basically not tell the U.S., not give a hint that that. You know we're cutting supply, like they they and they basically get the finger to the U.S. and why? Because we drained a strategic reserve, we brought prices down, and we promised in October that we were going to start replenishing this, and that include orders for Saudi Arabia, who's supposed to buy it. And then we told them no, and and we we continued to drain it, Uh, and they were like, okay, well, here you go. If you're going to do that, well, we're going to. So the they're willing to
0: cut that was great. That was price. That price lasted five minutes. Yeah, but
1: the fact that they're willing to cut – now, this, here's what's going to happen, right? So you're cutting, and you're seeing demand, the GDP down, right, which is a big factor with oil. Uh, slower, Much, much slower adoption for EV, and I think that's going to continue. I don't see that being a major, major trend, to be honest with you. Uh, but when I look at energy itself, it, what you have is when a company cut costs. Or when companies cut costs – look at Meta. Here's a good example of Meta. So – um, I was late to meta. I was about to purchase it in my newsletter. I was pissed off and I waited because it was up like 10-15% off its lows. So meta, if you look at the risks for meta, meta was uh, Apple, right? Changed the policy. Mm-hmm. Uh they had their costs were too high and, and yeah, TikTok eating its lunch. So what happened? They launched Instagram, shorts, whatever, you know, which which again they copy everything and did fantastic. They started cutting costs and they dealt with they, they raised prices and advertising came back. And what happened? The stock took off. So when you're addressing a lot of those risks. I mean, you could see where, where you know, you're cutting costs, you're cutting costs, you're cutting costs, but when demand picks up and if China announces this, now these companies, these, these energy companies are leaner than they've ever been, but that's when you could see, you know, energy really, really spike. So when mm-hmm. a company's like cutting costs and people are happy about it, when demand comes back and you're lean, that's when you see a stock go up 100, 200, 300%, right? Because now you're in perfect position. Now you're in position to grow. You've got cash flow coming in. You're very lean, same with oil, I see that like they're cutting back. You're seeing, you know, the world kind of like slow down a little bit. But I mean, if China re- and they don't have a choice, if China really announced the stimulus, I think they're going to announce. I-, I think it could result in-, in a bump up in energy. And if we don't get that, I think you're going to see the Saudis cut again. So if you get a bump right up in energy,
0: with- doesn't that give us more inflation that gives the Fed the cover to start raising rates more? I guess,
1: but I've never seen that's another thing too. I've never seen a bull market where energy wasn't a lot higher. Yeah. I mean, people always say, "Well, energy is higher, and it cuts." When energy is going higher. Well, the means financials the too. Is doing financials
0: great. and energy. If you have the financials, you don't see yeah. a bull market without the financials pulling along.
1: Yeah, and the financials have been doing okay, but but you're looking at, at energy. It's rare to see you know energy really coming down the way it is in the market. Because is I think there's this
0: rotation going on. There is a algorithmic rotation that keeps the market somehow up during the day, whether you want to press the button. On Tesla and Microsoft this day to keep the NASDAQ and the S&P doing okay. Who cares about the Dow? Uh, and, and another day, things have crumbling with Microsoft. So, you know what? Let's push up Apple and let's kind of give a little bit of a of a nod towards some of the big retailers to keep things up. It seems to me that there's this strange rotation going on. One day well, it's down, the, big, the next day I, it's up.
1: You know, everyone's predicting like, you know, the, through the next month, right, there's really no catalyst that could push us lower. Uh, JP Morgan came out with a great note and showing that there's going to be 150 billion rebalancing. So in sales of stocks, because a lot of them were overweight uh, um, technology and now that those weights got higher. So now they're saying that, you know, you look at sovereign wealth, sovereign wealth pension funds, and they actually named the funds and stuff like that. If some of these guys that have to sell uh, that are probably going to go more into bonds, Japan's government pension investment fund, they named mm-hmm. the name a few of them. Uh, but you know, 150 billion of rebalancing out of stocks, uh, and yeah, the fact that you're four and a half, five percent risk-free right now. I mean, I'd rather do that than put it in a dividend stock at three percent. Why yeah. take the risk of owning the right. stock? Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's free money, but you know, you're going to see rebalancing where, you know, again, they're not going to go up forever, and we're up. I mean, the Nasdaq's up a this lot. Is, this is amazing. This is something lot. we've never seen in the face best, of lower you, earnings, high the interest. The to of having this
0: best start of a year ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've never seen this. We've never seen this before. That's why it's catching people off, you know. But now you're seeing the indicators which you look at, the technical indicators which were, you know, showing extreme bearishness, which is positive, right? It's a contrarian indicator. Now you're seeing them go up a little bit. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it's people are getting more and more bullish, and that's usually a sign. You know, we're close to seeing a top, but again, I'm not predicting a massive overall
0: crash. I it, think it, a lot of stocks. I, are it are seems. To, it seems to me that we're we're extended. Let's just say that. I don't mean to be saying it in a bearish way per se, because I think there's still some great opportunities in in, in a lot of different areas. But I think that from a, if you would just use a simple thing like a relative strength, or you look at, you know, like a DeMarc indicator, or you look at um, any kind of like parabolic, any kind of thing that shows you when there's this incredible move up or down, doesn't matter, up or down, right? Uh, That is unusual during a short period of time. So you get these either blow off tops, or you get a parabolic move. We're seeing a lot of that right now. That's what's concerning people, I think. And to consider, we're close to forty five hundred, give or take, on the S and P five hundred. Considering a five percent, by
1: the way, is higher than than the median price target from all of the sell side. Yeah, firms. I know. We're higher than that right now. So I think that, JP just came out last ups week. Ups yeah. lower.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so there's some very strange. Things going on, but we're going to have to end it right there because we're heading up against our uh, our time limit here. So, Frank let me Let me
1: end it on this really yeah. quick. Oh, I would say, sure. guys, just
0: just protect yourself. You could buy long-dated puts or yeah. whatever, and you might lose
1: money on them or whatever, but it's not that you have to sell out of every one of your stocks. It's going to go a lot higher, but you want to protect yourself because this is one of the most risky markets that you'll see. It's rare that this happens. We could go higher, but, again, protect yourself a little bit. Yeah, you need good to be smart.
0: Go to curzioresearch.com. Anything else you want to say? You want to mention how – Get your I story. love you, Andrew. That's it. Oh, you're best. And I can't wait to come to your house. Your new house one is done in five years. Yes. No, it's finally done. We're good. We're just getting it furnished now, so we're good. By the time you come, it's going to be fully furnished. That's great. Frank Curzio, thank you so much. Listen, everybody, thank you so much for joining me this week and every week on The Disciplined Investor. Also go and listen to Frank's wonderful podcast, Wall Street Unplugged. You can find that at all fine podcast apps and places and libraries make sure to download it on a regular basis. Great information there. I'll see you uh, soon and uh, have a successful and a wonderful weekend. Thanks so much for joining me. Nothing discussed in this podcast should be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is no indication of future results. In addition, the information presented is not intended to be used as a sole basis of any investment decisions, nor should be construed as advice designed to meet the individual needs of any particular investor. Nothing herein constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice, or individually tailored investment advice. Remember, investing involves substantial risk. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results and a loss of original capital may occur. No one receiving or accessing this information should make any investment decision without first consulting his or her own personal financial advisor and conducting his or her own research and due diligence, including carefully reviewing any applicable prospectuses, press releases, reports, and other public filings of the issuer of any securities being considered. Please consider this for educational purposes only. As always, use your best judgment when investing. Horowitz & Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training. Advertisements are not related to the host or affiliates and are not considered recommendations by the host of the show or any affiliates of Horowitz & Company.